Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Final Tucker podcast. And we have a man who honestly single-handedly managed to coach the Cronulla Sharks to their first grand final win in their history as a club in 2016. His name is Shane Flanagan. Thank you very much for joining us here today. This episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Gold Coast Trading Cards. They are an authorized TLA trading card dealer and they are the NRL collector's choice from box breaks to individual cards they sell thousands of them from the 1960s up until recent 2020s and into the future 2021s coming out next year be sure to get all of your nrl trading card needs at gold coast trading card as you mate thank you no no worries so i mean let's get started first of all how's your day been today and what have you been up to yeah uh not much today actually um trying to do a little bit of training every morning and uh, get the day off to a good start but uh, and then stuck on the computer most of the day but um, yeah looking forward to a long weekend yes yes that's fair that's fair um, yeah. right uh, you let's focus on your playing career first of all you had quite a good run of games with three clubs the dragons the western suburbs magpies and the eels what was it like mm-hmm. playing back back in the 80s and 90s in the NSWRL? Oh, when I look back at it now, it was like, uh, and then watch some of the games, you know, I was just probably amazed at um, how not uh, unskilled we were, but how skillful the players are these days. You know, the game was completely different. I, I think it was probably a little bit harder. I don't think the individuals were tougher at any point, but the game was definitely harder. It was a lot more contact, one-on-one contact, and there was a little bit more nit, dirty, gritty stuff in the yeah. game, I suppose. Yeah. But um yeah, I think, you know, the skill set of the of the modern-day player uh, is amazing. Do I think the players back back then could have achieved that? Definitely with the training and the full-time professionalism they could have got there. But, uh, yeah, the game has changed a lot. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and looking back at your time, you did play for the Dragons, Western Suburbs and the Parramatta Eels. Which club did you have, you could say, the best time, in your personal opinion, of your career at? Uh, I enjoyed all the clubs. They're all different. Um and obviously the Dragons was, you know, I, I sort of I grew up in the Canterbury-Bankstown area and played with a team called St George Dragons, which was, you know, probably only a couple of hundred, probably a kilometre away from uh, Belmore Oval. So, um, and then I went and played junior reps at St George. And, uh, you know, in that time, St George, you know, were a, a real powerhouse club. The Bulldogs were as well, but the Dragons were a really big, strong club, obviously based at Cogra at Jubilee Oval and, uh, you know, playing my junior reps and everything there and, then sort of eventually into grade or graded in 1985, I think it was. And um, we played in an under 21 grand final that year. And then we played another one in 1987, which oh, we were wow. undefeated. So I was pretty lucky to go through uh, a successful time. And during that period, uh, the NRL team or New South Wales rugby league, it was called then actually uh, made grand finals as well. So the club was really strong and, um, you know, I sort of, I believe that was, um, you know, sort of, the team I wanted to play for at that point because I've come through as a juniors and to mm-hmm. play with your junior club was something special. But, you know, it went on and uh, unfortunately, you know, I didn't get a contract there one year at the Dragons and I went to West and I had a really good time at West. We, it was uh, a real good group of young players uh, there for a while. And then uh, Warren Ryan came to the club and bought some real old experienced players, you know, in Joey Thomas and David Gillespie, Paul Langmack, Graham Wynn, Andrew Farrah, um, Ronnie Gibbs, all of those sort of come late uh, in my time at West. And that was really enjoyable as well. You know, we sort of went from a team that was 
you know, always down the bottom, you know, 15th or 16th to actually getting into the semifinals that year. So that was enjoyable. Yeah. And I learned a lot there um, at West and made some really good friends. And then uh, off to Parramatta where Parramatta were probably the opposite to where the Dragons were. They were just struggling a little bit coming off being a successful club and all the probably Brett Kenny and um, Peter Sterling, the only sort of known players there that were left from that golden era. So I uh, played a couple of games with Peter Sterling and then, yeah, played one whole year with uh, Brett Kenny. So that was enjoyable and, you know, had a great time at Parramatta. We weren't that successful, but we competed really hard and, um, you know, it was a you know, really strong club and a great club and had good facilities and so on. You know, then I went straight into coaching after that at Parramatta in the lower grade. So I think I was there for 10 years coaching and playing. So had a good time. No, that's fair. And that's really awesome. Thank you for sharing that, those sort of stories. Um, mm-hmm. During your time, oh, brain farting hard. So I got to do a quick click. Um, and cool. actually after your playing career, obviously, and I think maybe even during, you had a son and his name's Kyle. And now you're sort of seeing the next generation in your son playing in the NRL. What was it like, you know, as a father, having played there, been there, done that sort of thing. And, you know, seeing your son Kyle go through the grades and now, you know, what he's done so far. Yeah, it's, um, it's sort of you know, been a good journey. Uh, you know, Kyle's always been um, a good player in rugby league and loved playing rugby league. He played soccer as well as a junior too. He was probably up about 14 or 15. And then we had to make a decision. He was playing rep soccer and rep rugby league. Oh, wow. And it was, just, you know, it was just too hard to get to both games sometimes. And um, he always wanted, didn't want to miss out on his rugby league. And sometimes his soccer coach wasn't real happy that he, he chose rugby league over soccer. So... We had to make a call on that, and I think he gave it away when he was about 14 or 15. So, um, you know, he's always been in a real successful team. His junior team, Aquinas Colts, um, they won 10 competitions in a row. It's unheard of from as soon as they started to when they finished. You know, they had some good players in there, obviously. Blake Braley is probably another one that went through uh, the whole time with him. but they had a lot of players that played junior reps and went on to play junior reps and probably pitted out a little bit when they got 18 or 19, but they're all yeah, really successful as juniors. And, you know, Kyle and Blake have probably out of that team gone on to being successful. Um, Dylan Cherry was in that, Bronson's older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he went on to play a bit of reserve grade as well. So um, it's been enjoyable watching Kyle and watching his journey. Um, you know, I always have to sort of sometimes you know, sit back a little bit and say, uh, you know, take the coach's hat off and yeah, um, man, put the dad hat on and put the dad hat on. Yeah, exactly. And, and enjoy it a little bit more, not be critical or be the coach all the time to sit back and enjoy his, his success and, you know, watch him play and, you know, when they like play well and win and he kicks goals and scores tries and all that. Enjoy it as a father and probably don't pick it to pieces as a coach. No, that's fair. And that's awesome. Um, you then, obviously, after, as you mentioned, went on to coach the Parramatta Reserve grades and the reserves sort of thing in that system mm-hmm. for close to a decade. And you mentioned going over to the UK. You actually linked up with Stuart Raper at Castleford. What was it like sort of plying your trade and learning, you know, the ropes as a coach over in the UK compared to in Australia? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I was at Parramatta and I, I think I was coaching the SG ball and we had um, you know, Parramatta were really successful then. You know, we had Jamie Lyon, Nathan Highmarsh, um, the Kalis brothers. Um, star-studded well, lineup. A, a star-studded lineup. You know, there was probably 10 or 12 players that went on and played first grade from those junior rep teams. And um, you know, I won a couple of comps in the junior reps at Parra, which was really enjoyable, which sort of, 
you know, springboarded me into the high grades and uh, coach reserve grade there that year at that para and we were pretty successful as well. And uh, I played um, with Stuart at St. George mm-hmm. and uh, played against him when he was at Cronulla and I was at St. George. So, um, you know, we, we were pretty good mates and he got the job over at, at Castleford. And when he got there, it was basically him and um, the girl in the office and he had no staff and he needed someone to come over and help him do some coaching and then help, help him do some strength and conditioning. And I, I had a little bit of an interest in the strength and conditioning side of things. And, you know, coming from the junior rep program, you sort of got to be a jack of all trades. You need to do sometimes do a little bit of their strength yeah. and conditioning as well and as well as their coaching. So, uh, Stuart asked me to go over to the UK with Castleford and I did, you know, predominantly assistant coach, but I did their strength and conditioning program as well. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was, you know, facilities weren't great, um, but, you know, the come game day and the passion that they have for rugby league and, uh, you know, we were in West Yorkshire. So it was really, it was really enjoyable time. And, you know, we got to travel a little bit uh, on weekends or, you know, after games and so on around down to London and across to Paris and things like that. So it was a very enjoyable time and something that I, you know, still got some really good friends over there. And I look back and uh, I think it, you know, obviously helped me in my coaching career because it was definitely a challenge. Um, you know, you didn't have everything laid out in front of him. You had to go off-site to, um, you know, do, do your strength training. And sometimes the facilities weren't that great. And you had to share them with other people, but we got on um, mm. and we just got out to the job done. So it was, as I said, it was pretty enjoyable. Now that's awesome. And then after, fast forward a bit, you finished at Castleford, come back over to Australia and was you were the understudy or apprentice, you could say, to Ricky Stewart at the Roosters, which you ultimately took over from, from him at the Sharks as head coach. What was it like mm-hmm. um, being under Ricky Stewart, you know, and, and at the yeah. Roosters sort of thing? Yeah. Well, uh, in 2000 and, um, I think it was 2003, uh, Ricky, the, Ricky was at the Roosters. They won in 2002, I think it was, and mm-hmm. they won the comp and they had a pretty successful team and, you know, had the uh, star sub line up in first grade. And uh, Phil Gould asked me to come across and coach their, their 20s. They, they believed they had a, a good crop of 20s coming through and, um, and, and then helped Ricky as an assistant coach as well. And, you know, they had John Cartwright as an assistant coach and Ivan Cleary coaching their reserve grade. So... Um, you know, all, obviously all gone on to coach NRL, but uh, it was a really uh, interesting time that year that uh, we had, you know, the Jamie Sowards uh, was in 20s and we went through in the under-20s competition undefeated, which is unheard of. It's never happened wow. before and we were really successful. Um, we nearly, nearly lost the grand final to Cronulla, actually, but uh, we ended up, Jamie kicked a field goal in 2004 and, um, you know, the, we had all three grades in... Um, that grand final of the Roosters and it just shows what strength they had through the club, you know, good coaches, good administration and, uh, you know, a really successful football club. So uh, I really enjoyed my time and the professionalism of the Roosters and the connections and contacts there. It is, it is a different club. Um, and, you know, that's the way they like it, I think. So, um, and they want to have success. So I really enjoyed my time. And then unfortunately, Ricky probably time was up at the Roosters and, um, he left there and went to the Sharks and, um, you know, I followed him there for the Sharks for, you know, I think he was there for three or four years and, um, you know, reasonable successful, got to cut to a couple of grand final qualifiers. We just couldn't, you know, just probably didn't have the team to, we definitely didn't have the team to win it, but we probably just didn't have that team to, you know, to win there. a big semi-final or win a grand final qualifier. And, but I, you know, I thought Ricky did a really good job and I learned a lot off him in relation to, um, you know, how he prepares his players, um, his 
competitiveness um, is every day he goes out that office door. He's so competitive in everything he does. So if you're going to coach against him, you've got to just understand that he's going to have his players that competitive and that obsessed to win. Um, you need to be do the same. So, um, yeah, that was a good period for me and a good learning period. And, you know, as I said, he's a, he's a good coach and a good mentor. Now, for sure. And he definitely shows his passion, not just obviously is is you know, coaching box antics, but in general, if, if he didn't have that passion for the game and for the teams that he coaches, it wouldn't really, you know, show, which I think is great. Um, obviously yeah. you, you took over from Ricky at the Sharks, um, had yeah. moderate success at the start and then unfortunately crashing down 2014, got the spoon, but you brought them back and they won the first Sharks grand final in 2016. Talk us mm-hmm. through that moment, you know, that final time, because that was a nail biter to watch from home. It was, down to the last minute, you know, yep. just talk to talk to talk to me about that entire you know week leading up and everything you know, including it. Yeah, well, just like going back a little bit, like mm-hmm. uh, when I started at the Sharks when Ricky left it, well, the club was in a bit of a, a situation financially where um, uh, the football team wasn't their focus; they just wanted to survive, mm. um, and that, you know they couldn't afford to. Uh, facilities and you know whilst they own their own ground it wasn't really that wasn't the um the big gold carrot it actually cost them money to have that ground and um you know they they didn't have the money and they weren't too worried about where they come in the competition they just wanted to survive for a couple of years and Mm -hmm. unfortunately that was like 2011 2012 and then in 2014 we all know what happened that you know the obviously a couple of uh, the Asada stuff, and I didn't coach for 2014, and the club went through a terrible whole 12 months of mm. you know um, player allegations that they took supplements and all this sort of stuff, and they went through and an finally, absolute shit show. Yeah, it was terrible. You know, terrible for the players, terrible for the club, terrible for their families, everything. So, um, and you know, I, I and a lot of other people were suspended. I got nine months, and I didn't coach that year and the club got the wooden spoon, you know, and I understand, fully understood why. There was just too much drama going on with all the players, whether they were going to be suspended and they had, um, you know, some interim coaches. Anyway, I was always coming back. My contract was always there and I was coming back in 2015 and mm-hmm. it probably gave me a good opportunity to just sit back and, you know, think about the style of football I wanted to play or coach and um, the team I wanted to uh, have on the football field and, you know, there was a few important signings in 2015 and um, that we got that, you know, probably turned around. You know, we had a good football team, but the two probably that stand out for me, you know, although there's probably a couple that, that came in 15. We already had some really good players in our club. You know, we'd already previously signed Luke Lewis, uh, Chris Hinington, um, Andrew Fafita and those type of players to come into our club. But then in 2015, we signed... Um, Michael Innes and Jack Bird. Um, yep. And at that point, Jack Bird hadn't even played first grade, but he turned into a wonderful player and he played a fantastic game in the grand final. And, and Michael Innes was probably, and, and with James Maloney in 15 mm-hmm. came, and they were the two players, the senior players that changed the club. You know, obviously James is, um, you know, he's a funny character and he's... <laughs> he, um, he, he sure he, is. He's missed to have a chat. <laughs> Yeah, he's, you know, and you've got to accept that that's the type of person he is, you know, like, and it can get to you sometimes as a coach because he's, you know, he's always joking around and it doesn't seem to take things serious, but he definitely does take things serious when it comes to playing the game. And when they came to the weekend and he put, it was just a, a down and out performer, um, he could have an awful week of training and just come out and play a blinder on the weekend. And you, I had to learn how to handle that and understand <laughs> that, you know, that sort of person he is and, 
yeah, Mike Linus was completely the opposite. He was the ultimate professional and he dragged so many players along with him to be in that professional category um, and how hard he competed and he's, you know, and throw that on with players like Luke Lewis and Gal, how much they wanted to win. Um, it just sort of all came together and players that had been there for long periods of time, like Ricky Latelli and, um, well, yeah, probably Chad Townsend to a certain degree. Um, they'd, they'd all sort of been you know, chipping away at their careers. But as I said, when Michael and James came, they were the sort of the cream on the top and we were able to... You went from that good team to a great team sort of thing. Yeah, we ne- we needed to uh, still work really hard. I've seen, you know, good names. You know, so you have a look at some of the teams at the moment. I had a look at the Broncos last year. I thought they had a fantastic team on paper, but yep. it doesn't make it actually, you know, that work and you're going to win. So we had to work really hard and we had to find out what sort of football team we were. And we worked that out pretty early. We lost our first um, four games of the season in 2016, which wasn't a great start, but then we won 15 in a row. Yeah, which is only one that's done better is the Penrith Panthers. But, yeah, this year. So yeah. that was, uh, it was just a matter of us sort of finding out what sort of football team that we wanted to be and we could be. It was no use trying to, you know, be someone else, but play another type of football that another club does. We had to find out what suited us. And we found that out pretty quickly and it developed over the season. And, you know, even though we lost a couple of games at the end of the year, you know, I put that down to a lot of those players knew that we were going to be top four and we knew we were going to have a crack at uh, a really big game come to set. You know, we're definitely in the second round of the semifinals. So, yeah. um, you know, I think some of them took their foot off the pedal a little bit in the last couple of weeks of the competition. And we lost, I think we lost three out of our last five, but we're that far ahead. It didn't really matter. And then yeah. we played we played a big game, the last game of the season against um, Melbourne in Melbourne. It was for the um, minor premiership. Yep. And... Um, it's always tough playing Melbourne down there and <laughs> yeah, Amy Park. I can imagine. Especially for the Sharks. Um, we'd always had a really strong, um, you know, competition against them and it was always a tough game. And they you know, put a score on us. I can't remember exactly what I think. They won by 20 anyway. And, um, you know, we limped into the semifinals and probably had a little bit of doubt about if we played the Storm again, how we we're going to beat them. But mm. um, it was probably, as I said, that all those players just wanted to get through that game. They weren't worried about winning. They just wanted to play in the semifinals. I just had that feeling. And, yep. you know, we got into the semifinals and um, we had a hiccup the first week where we got to train and then Gal had slipped a disc in his back mm. in the gym. So he didn't play uh, against Canberra. And we were missing our captain. And then um, Wade, out, Wade was our other captain, him and Mike Linus. And Wade got knocked out in the first tackle of the game. So there's two of my best players out of the game in our first semifinal. We're down 12 nil against Canberra in Canberra and, um, you know, somehow we found a way. I think Matty Pryor had a blinder that week and um, set up a try and scored a try and which that's, that happened to us all year. Uh, if it wasn't, um, you know, Paul Gallon or Michael Linus, someone else would stand up. It'd be yep. Jack yep. Yeah, Hurd step or up. Yep. someone would step up each week and it wasn't the same individual or group, a small group. It was everyone had it their turn to step up that year and, you know, in that semi-final, I think, you know, Matty Pryor led it, but I think everyone uh, stood up in that last 10 or 15 minutes and we got the job done and had a week off, which was a blessing. Uh, yeah. I don't think Gal would have played the next week. And then it was just fell into place. We just trained perfectly. Everyone was fit and healthy and I uh, had a full roster. No one, not one person oh, that's out That's what there. you want, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
And um, we went into the Cowboys at Sydney Football Stadium and we put, you know, 25 or 30 on them in the first half and we're never, ever going to get beaten. You know, go in, that's the grand final qualifier. In the grand final qualifier, I was able to take players off with 10 or 15 minutes to go, you know. And it's heard of, you know, I took Gal off, I took Michael Minnis off in the last 10 minutes and, you know, just sat him there, giving him time to think about playing in the grand final. <laughs> wow. And then leading up, obviously, you've, that's all the way up to the prelim, the grand final comes, you know, the week of what was the emotions like amongst the team? What were, how did you handle it personally as a coach? And then obviously that final siren and you've won the grand final and the first one for the Cronulla Sharks. Yeah, like whilst it was my first as head coach and the club's first, um, I'd seen Parramatta do uh, similar. They hadn't been to a grand final for a long period of time when Brian Smith had them. And then I saw that week, um, as I said, I was a reserve grade coach then and we were in the um, grand final as well. And I saw what happened to the team that week um, leading up to the grand final. It wasn't a normal week and... Um, they didn't prepare properly uh, in hindsight. I, I didn't know it at the time, but I definitely watched what was happening that week uh, for Parramatta. And then, then I went to the Roosters and I was lucky enough to be there for two two grand finals and watched the way Ricky uh, prepared for him. He won one and lost one. But, um, you know, I saw the way the Roosters prepared for it and they were a different sort of football team. They had players that nearly every player played for their country and played origin. So they were ready for big games and I probably... Yeah. That, that was sort of more about getting our team ready and come to our grand final, whilst we'd never been in one, I had a lot of players that had a lot of rep experience and played in grand, um, big origin matches and so on. I think we had like eight origin players um, or you know, played some big games. And um, the younger boys, like you know Jack Bird and Valentine Holmes, um, they, they Wade Graham, I think you could throw him, even though he had played rep footy. Um, they weren't that nervous. They were excited um, okay. about playing. So I didn't have to worry about – I didn't see any nerves that week. I saw a lot of excitement. So um, if I saw the nerves and players not doing what they usually uh, do in a week and they were starting to play their game before they got there, I'd have to address it. But that group were really good about self-control and managed each other and spoke about how to prepare and – they just said, you know, basically it's a big game, and it, but we need to treat it in certain ways. And they did that all week. They sort of controlled themselves, the group, which is I was really lucky to have. Um, myself, uh, yeah, when I look back at it, you know, um, it was a really enjoyable week and it went really quick. There's a lot of commitments that week and you don't get to train a lot. Um, but, you know, what I saw around in the community, around the Southern Shire and everyone jumping on board, how excited they were, I think it definitely helped us in that you know, last 10 or 15 minutes of the game to get it done. But, you know, I suppose every club that wins a grand final can tell you a story about the year. But in hindsight, as I said, we won 15 in a row and we were preparing for that grand final a long way out. And yep. um, we prepared, prepared for it all year. We knew at some stage that we'd have to defend like that on our trial line. And we actually practised that defensive system that last set that Melbourne had on our trial line. We would do that every week um, once for a small block of eight or 10 minutes. We would practise that and uh, you know, held us in good stead when we needed just to hold Melbourne out for that last play because they were coming to get us. They were like, if they were given maybe a minute more, there was a try coming from, from the storm. Yeah. Oh, there was some special efforts in that. I, I remember Jack Bird, 
He was at right centre. Um, they shifted across to the left and he was out the back in case there was a kick. And then they came back to the other side and all of a sudden he was back into position again. There was some huge efforts. He, uh, Jack uh, dislocated his elbow earlier in that game over mm. on the sideline. And, and you know, usually that's, you know, taken off and four to five weeks out. Uh, but they just strapped it up and he just got on with it. Um, Jason Baku got knocked out and uh, come back on. And uh, Gal, Gal had... Um, uh, chicken pox that week and uh-huh. um you know he had a poor preparation for that game but they just all put it aside and just as i said just got the job done and that's what you need to do in big games and you know it's not it's not really the coaching it's of that day it's the coaching and all the players what we went through the whole year together is a, that's the package you get at the end yeah now that's awesome Honestly, that's so awesome to hear from, you know, your perspective and everything. Um, mm-hmm. You obviously then went through a bit of, you know, trials and tribulations the following years, but we won't go into that. You ended up at the Dragons last year, well, back end of 2019 and for 2020 as an, in an assistant role. What was it like, yep. you could say, getting back to the Dragons, given that you started your career at the Dragons? And also, what are your plans for this 2021 season? Yeah, um, well, obviously, I was, you know, I resigned from my position at the Sharks, which I thought was the best interest uh, for the club. Um, you know, they were going through some dramas there and, you know, they had their own problems with salary cap. And then, you know, they had more, I was suspended for 12 months for communicating when I was suspended previously, communicating with the club. So um, it was a tough suspension and, uh, you know, they were the rules that I wasn't supposed to communicate with the club and uh, I needed to abide by them. But, you know, I put that behind me now. Um, i to answer your first question about uh, the Dragons. I really enjoyed my time there um, as in a different role. Like sometimes I think uh, you know, don't always have to have that head coaching role next to your name. It's, you learn a lot from doing other jobs. And, um, you know, I was still coaching every day. I was down there coaching. And, you know, Paul McGregor was really good to work for. He, um, you know, he allowed me to have my space and do it my way, you know, within his structure. Um, so I really enjoyed working for him. Unfortunately, I think Paul's cards were marked before I even got there. Uh, that you know he'd sort of been there for a long time, and he had to have not a little bit of success, a lot of success that year to keep his job. And no, oh, he did, yeah. Um, you know, we got off to a, yeah, we didn't get off to a great start. Um, the, they lost their first two games only just. They should have won both of them, but we lost our first two games, and then COVID came in. So. Uh, whilst I was really excited about going back to the Dragons and, um, you know, getting back into the Dragons, you know, community, it was hard because we were in, in a bubble for 12 months. So, you know, I didn't get to meet half of the people involved in the club. Most of the time it was just by Zoom. Yep. Um, and uh, so we were really isolated in, in a sense so it, we didn't get to mix with a lot of other people within the club. Uh, but I really enjoyed my time there. The playing group was um, they were good to work with. Um, there's some young players that are going to be good players in the future. You know, Zach Lomax, the Figo boys, um, Cody Ramsey, uh, just to name a few there. I think Cody's going to be, you know, a really He's going to be a superstar player. based off what he could, what he showed us at the back end of the season. Yeah, he, he just knows that he's, he's got a big motor. He can run forever in a day. Um, he's got good skill set and got good awareness and competes really hard. So, you know, there's some really good qualities there and, um, but, you know, they've got some good young kids. They just, uh, unfortunately, a lot of their senior players um, were either injured or out of form. Um, and we just couldn't get them all either on the paddock or in form at the same time. Someone had come back and we'd lose someone else. So it was a really tough time uh, 
for obviously for Paul McGregor. And then Dean Young took over as interim coach who uh, did a really good job. I think Dean's going to be a good NRL coach down the track. Um, he's gone to the Cowboys this year as an assistant coach, uh, but he's got his head screwed on. He's got a good attitude towards his, uh, the way he coaches his footy team and uh, he'll get his time uh, sooner rather than later to coach in the NRL side. But uh I enjoyed my time down there. wasn't overly successful. Um, I had some built some really good relationships with some players, um, and hopefully, I taught them a little bit in you know not just on you know playing rugby league, a little bit on about leadership and about how to compete in the NRL week to week. Because you know some of those players have just come into the NRL, and I think that'll put them in a good position. You know, the Zach Lomaxes. You know, he's a classic example. Um, even Cam McGuinness, you know, I think he, he learned a lot last year from a leadership perspective. Um, a really good player. Both of them went into the Origin camp and didn't far off Origin level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, to answer your question in one thing, you had a really good time at the Dragons. Even Unfortunately, it wasn't as successful as we, we like to be. Uh, and to answer your question next year, what's going to happen for me this year, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Um, there's, I've had a few, you know, sort of opportunities here and there, but, um, you know, I'm not, as I said, at, at, as we stand at the moment, I'm not quite sure where I'll end up. Um, but, you know, I'm keen to get back into coaching, whether it's my own team and assistant coach's role, uh, whatever it may be. Um, that's a journey I've just got to go down now. And as I said, i um, really excited. I had a fair break over the last couple of months uh, and excited to get back into it and looking forward to the season to start when I obviously, you know, I got Kyle. So that's the sort of, I'll just jump on the back of his career for a little bit and watch that and enjoy that. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the end, I want to get back to coach. I, I want to win another, I want to win another competition. I think I know how, you know, the qualities that you need to have within a footy team and um, the players that you need to have in your footy team to win a competition. It's not easy to get that all to happen, no, but um, I want to have another crack at it. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I definitely back you as a premiership winning coach, as in for another premiership at some point. Um, mm. What team did you follow as a kid growing up, you know, watching rugby league? Well, I was probably split between two. I was like, as I said, I was um, I grew up like, sort of in the Canterbury Bankstown area on the border of St. George. So it was Canterbury and St. George uh, growing up. Um, and as I said, I, when I sort of started playing my junior at St. George. So I went over to there and, you know, that was my dream to play first grade for that club. And I did that pretty early, but then realized that it is professional sport. And yep. sometimes you, you just can't stay where you need to be and you need to move on and to continue your career. And then, you know, probably the same things happened for Kyle, you know, he's uh, grown up in, you know, there's nothing more than Cronulla. Um, yeah. He's yeah. played all his junior football. He's lived here all his life. I coached there. Um, you know, he probably would have thought he was going to be there forever in a day as well, but it hasn't ended up like that. But, um, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's for a reason and he'll have a good career and he'll have a good year this year. As I say, speaking of Kyle, how is, do you know how he's settling in at the Bulldogs for 2021 so far? Is he going well? Is he enjoying it? Yeah, he is. Um, they're training pretty hard, which mm. every side will tell you, yeah. every club will tell you they're training pretty hard. Uh, but, um, he's working pretty hard. He's got a good relationship with Trent, um, which you know, Trent always wanted, uh, which he had to uh, clearly that you know, obviously we're doing the attack over at Panthers. That you know, his main person that he needs to make sure that everything in communication when he's not on, um, and I think you know. The, this preseason, Kyle's learning and understanding what Trent wants in certain different situations, and they're building up a good relationship. Um, 
you know, the Bulldogs are planning uh, to get a really good side together in the next couple of years. Yeah. I just hope they don't, you know, this year that they still concentrate on this year. You know, this year is important whilst there's a few more at a car and Burton are coming yeah. next year. Well, you know, we've got to, we're to still focus. All the Bulldogs are still, and Kyle's definitely got to focus on what's ahead of him this year because we don't, you know, next year anything could happen. You know, you just need to make sure that you focus on what's, you know, right in front of you now um, yep. rather than too far down the track. Nah, for sure. Um, and that sounds very promising because as I was actually about to mention, which you did for me, the Bulldogs are definitely putting together a good team that are definitely seemed on paper to be a grand final threat in at least the next three to four years. And on that note, who do you think, like which team would be the biggest um, underdog sort of thing that, you know, people would write off, but you, you personally won't write off to make it to the finals or the grand final this year on paper so far? Well, I think uh, the top four is not going to change too much. You know, I, I can, I can't, you know, if it's like start from the top, I can't see Melbourne missing out on the top four again. Mm. Um, I think Penrith will be thereabouts. Um, I think they've lost a little bit in, um, you know, Mansour and they lost um, uh, front row to West Tigers. Um, I forgot his name now. Um, yeah, I know the one you mean. Um, oh, Tamo. Yeah. Yep. Tamo's gone to... Um, Tigers, so they've lost a little bit, and I think one or two, one other player went to, over to the UK. So they lost a few, but they've got really um, a heap of young kids coming through that'll be able to stand up. So I think Penrith will definitely be there. I think South will be there as well. Um, so uh, you know, I think it'll come out of one of those three teams. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, what is your fondest memory as a player? Uh, I didn't play any grand finals or anything like that at NRL level. We played in a couple of when I was in lower grades and stuff like that. But um, we played, uh, when I was at Parramatta, we played the touring Great Britain side um, on a Wednesday night. Back then they used to play, uh, come out and play like a warm-up match before they played the test match against Australia. uh, Parramatta played them um, at Parramatta Stadium uh, versus Great Britain. Um, and I, I, that was a big night. I enjoyed that night. It was something that doesn't happen too often that you get to play a touring side. And um, yeah, I, probably my debut game was yep. uh, fantastic. It, we played Parramatta at Parramatta Stadium. Um, you know, and there was, we had some, you know, there was Craig Young's last year. So I got to play with him, made my debut, and he was his game of the year. And there's some other good players there. So, yeah, probably my debut game would be up there. Yeah, no. Honestly, that's awesome. And just some fun ones to finish it off. First of all, if you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Um, uh, if I had a superpower, I'd wipe off 2014 out of yep. the history book. Yep. Um, that's fair. And, yeah, and I'd start 2016 again. Really? Yes, same result, but I want to oh, start okay. it again. Okay, yeah. No, that, I was like, hmm, but no, that's fair. Because I'm like, surely you wouldn't want 2016 to be any different, but no, that's 100% fair. No, I don't want to I don't want to change it. I just want to relive it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what would be, or what is your current beer or alcoholic drink of choice? Um, I'm at Bolta XBA. Oh, I love Bolta. That's the, yeah, that's yes. a good drop. Yep. yep. Um, how do you like your steak cooked? I always cook it myself most of the time unless we go out to a restaurant. Uh, I meet him well. Okay. Okay. And I've got yep. two more questions for you. Last one from me. And then another one is from um, one of the collaborators that we are 
at the final tackle collaborating with in the next few weeks and they are the bench warmers podcast um mm-hmm. th- the question for me is what was your netflix or you know foxtel binge during the lockdown last year um vikings i think it oh, was and it yeah. wasn't my choice really it was kyle so i got <laughs> stuck with kyle so well, some of the stuff that he watched was just rubbish, so I just walked out. But I didn't mind the Vikings. Yeah, fair. And the bench warmers ask if you could bring any figurehead from history, whether it's music, movies, uh, war, whoever, who's dead, back to life. Who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, I'm not quite sure. I'm sure if I thought about it, probably you'd bring one of the Beatles back or I don't know. Um, so who's going to help? Who's going to help? I'm, I'm, just, that's just, I'm stuck on that one. You'll have to pass me on that one. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And again, pleasure. thank you so much for joining us.